had a good Pentecost service yesterday. How'd y'all do? Right on. Oh, it was terrible. I had fun. I, guess- <laughs> I don't care about anybody else. I had fun. Did you have fun? That's good, man. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. So, welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. I am John. I didn't tell you guys before. Um, but I am pretty uh, angry with technology right now. My computer just last night decided it was done with me. Uh, if you know the blue screen of death, you know what that means. If you know the blue screen of death, then you also know getting about 10 blue screens of death uh, in a row is pretty bad. So that's where I am with technology. Yeah, at the worst possible time, too. I, mean, yeah, so much I got to right. get finished and everything, but... That's the way it is. But I'm still joyful. Joy of the Lord is my strength. So I'm here and I'm here with Brad, who seems pretty perky too. Brad, what's going on, brother? Hey, not a whole lot. Just hanging in there. Still in the afterglow of of Pentecost yesterday. We're still Pentecosting today. So there you go. Either Mm. I'm not wearing red. I have a poinsettia back there. Is that close enough? I was going to ask you, is that a poinsettia? (laughs) That's from Christmas. Yeah, I got two of them. And they're they're sort of doing okay. Yeah, they're sort of doing okay. I mean, they, I really need to repot them, but that's beside the point. Yeah. And if you're listening but, to the podcast only, you don't realize I just changed very quickly into my red. Um, yes. You're talking through your nose now. And you can hear that, right? I can hear it myself. <laughs> <laughs> These are pretty tight, man. <laughs> and uh, of course, we wouldn't be complete with having our good friend Tom. Tom's with us. He's just got finished cycling with the hooks, apparently. Tom, what's going on down there? Uh, down there. Yeah. I'm, am I south of you? Or? <laughs> yes. You're for me right now. You're right there. Yeah. Right, right, right there. <laughs> we can do like the Brady Bunch. Like, <laughs> where, where in the Hades are you? I'm down there. <laughs> in the basement. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting. Uh, kind of. Uh, you, you, Brad, bring back two specific memories. First of all, the poinsettia in the background is a reminder of my first church, which was Carrizo Springs. And I just remember somebody had a, those things get pretty darn big. Yeah. Yeah. They get bush size um, if the, um, if the weather is right. And so uh, I remember seeing that that was pretty cool. And then the other thing is I did live in the land of basements when I was a pastor up in Wisconsin. So mm. uh, one of the places I had an eight by eight uh, pool in my basement, just so I could feel like I was in the tropics when it was 30 below outside. So <laughs> Do what you got to do, man. Do yeah, what what do. Those inflatable palm trees in the background. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I had poinsettias. I did have hibiscus, though. Yes, uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. So. Very good. Cool. Hi, gentlemen. So we, we are here for another week of podcasting excellence. Um, we'll see how we do this time. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we're there I'm yet. Before. We are working on it. Yes, sir. This is, for us, week of annual conference. This is annual conference season. Uh, if you're not sure what that is, in the United Methodist Church, we are divided it's the local church, it's the district, and then it's the annual conference. Then, of course, it's jurisdiction. But the annual conference, big geographical area of churches combined together. And an annual conference meets every year for an annual conference. <laughs> so it's okay. Right. Annually. Yeah. The yeah. conference, the yes. conference meets for an annual conference. 
The right. annual conference meets for an annual conference. Yeah. Right. There's my man. Yeah, not confusing yeah. at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, so. so that's just when we get together and we do important stuff, apparently, and have meetings and hear reports and I don't know what else. Yeah. That's yeah. what we'll be doing. We'll be usually that happens for us here in Corpus. So everybody comes to see us and we get to entertain them and all that stuff. But this year we are uh, going to be in the valley. Uh, now, if you're listening outside of Texas, we are talking about the Rio Grande Valley. So we'll be in McAllen, Texas uh, this week and uh, living it up down there, sweating like crazy, but loving the tacos. Right? Rio Grande River Rats. That's what we're going to be. Yeah. There you go. Now, Brad, you served in the valley, didn't you? I did. I did. I served uh, two churches down in the valley and loved it. I, matter of fact, I was in high school when I, or junior high and high school when I moved down there the first time. So I lived in Brownsville, I've lived in McAllen, and I've lived in San Benito. Loved all three of them. Tom, were uh, you ever down there? I, you know, I visited there quite a bit. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Jet Throckmorton, is in Harlingen now, and I've gone down to see him quite a bit. So I know it's a couple of hours south of us here in Corpus Christi. So it's, you know, it's not a long ways. Uh, for folks coming from the northern end of our district or our conference, that's probably about what about a six hour, four and a half hour uh, trip. Yeah, maybe about five hours or so. Yeah. And those folks from the west end of our of our conference, out in uh, San Angelo and as far west as Ozona, it's uh, yeah they they get on a wagon train. Bring your snacks. Yeah. That's there for you sure. Go, man. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. We lived in the valley for ten years. We got married, and uh, a few months later, moved to McAllen. We lived in McAllen. We lived in Edinburgh. We lived in Mission. We lived in Mercedes. My wife went to. Uh, she worked in La Jolla. I. We both went to school in Edinburgh. Um, there you go. So yeah, we served a couple of churches down there as well, and that's where I first got my calling. And so. Okay. Uh, it'll be fun. Now, if you haven't been to the Valley in a while, get ready. It is a different place than it was Very different. a decade yeah. ago. I've told yeah. the story a couple of years ago. I had to go down to Harlingen to drop off some paperwork. So I, I told the family, well, come with me. We'll go and uh, we'll stop by Mercedes where we used to live. That's in that church there at Elwin Bustle. Yeah. That's where I got my calling. Brothers, I, I I got lost in Mercedes. Now, Mercedes is not yep. a big town at all. I just mm-hmm. didn't recognize anything. So the whole place is just grown up and there's just a lot of things happening. So uh, we'll have a good week down there. It'll be fine. So looking forward yeah. to it. All right. So we're going to be with all of our colleagues and uh, our superintendents and the bishop will be there, of course. And so when we when we when we're with them and when we're, when we're participating on things, we want to sort of exude this sort of confidence that we have and who we are in our ministry. So I have a way for you to do that. And whether you're a part of annual conference or not, maybe there's something maybe at your job or, or maybe you're a liturgist at church. Maybe you're going to take the place of a preacher. I don't know, whatever you're going to do. Maybe it's your own work. I got something for you. Striking a pose, a power pose can give a person more self confidence. Ready? Go. <laughs> I feel more confident already, guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've just lost a great deal of confidence in you, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, thanks a lot, Tom. Getting on my keys wrong. That's all I was doing here. It's just, you know, trying uh, to just... 
<laughs> you know, but John, I was I, I was more startled by your reaching toward us. It's like, oh, look at those hands. They are He's huge. Coming for you. That's right. <laughs> this is like 6D, man. We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we found a connection between an upright posture and power posing and a more positive self-perception. Uh, this is coming out of uh, Martin Luther University and Ohio State University, right? Do some powers, uh, doing some research to find out that, yeah, striking a power pose. So all those times when you were a kid and you would, you know, get into the mirror, you know, look, you know, do your dances or whatever, you were preparing yourself to have confidence, right? So work on your power pose. That's that's our tip to you today. That's how we are helping you uh, in your life and ministry and your witness as a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. And do it with authority. That's right. So when I see Bishop this week, I'm be like, hey, hey, Bishop. <laughs> and he can be like, who is that? Yeah, right. I thought, I thought I had a meeting with John Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, another story, totally unrelated story, I think, um, unless you can make a connection. But this is kind of one of those. I don't know. This could be a this could be a sermon illustration. Uh, it took more than three centuries because you know how churches are. <laughs> we're, we're not we're not anything if we're not moving at the speed of smell. <laughs> Hey Brad, we 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 talked about you yesterday at Kelsey. Uh-oh. Oh, so, yeah. I yeah. didn't mention your name. Oh, but okay, I said good. I said something to the effect of uh I wasn't listening to what I was saying, but I said something to the 1950s. effect of 1950s. Let me 1950s. Yeah. That that comment you always make about the church being ready for the 1950s. Uh-huh. No, 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 1750s. So, oh, 1750s. 1750s. Okay. I was no. way off. See, I'm I'm part yeah. of the church. <laughs> oh, we ever come back if 1700s ever come back around, we're going to be so ready because we are oh, ready for print. Watch out, world! Yeah. Watch out! All right, so uh, in Boston, this comes out of Boston. Took more than three centuries, but the last Salem quote unquote witch who wasn't has been officially pardoned. Massachusetts lawmakers on Thursday formally exonerated Elizabeth Johnson Jr. Clearing her name 329 years later after she was convicted of witchcraft in 1693 and sentenced to death at the height of the Salem witch trials. So the last, the last of the quote unquote witches has been pardoned, forgiven, if you will. DNA, right? I'm just I kidding. Guess. I don't, know. I don't yeah. know what they did, uh, how they do that, but uh, I don't know. Forgiveness is hard, is it not sometimes? This takes a long time. Yeah. Admitting you're wrong yeah. is difficult, yeah. right? That's right. the hard part in all of this. So uh, maybe that's an encouragement to you. You know, a power pose is great, but the greatest flex, the greatest power pose is offering forgiveness. <gasps> I, just made, I just made a cheesy youth group reference. You want to see the greatest power pose across that's a power pose, y'all. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm going wow. to use that in youth group soon. So are we done for today? Is that it? I mean, <laughs> done everything we need to do, right? Man, that's it. I don't know how to. We can't top that, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, we have to because we have something we got to talk about here. And I hope, um, yep. I hope we can care enough to get through it. 
All right. So Brad sent this to us several weeks ago and uh, I was just putting it off as long as I could. Like, Brad, I don't really care about that, Brad. I don't think anybody cares about that. And so it's called the, the title of the article is The Rise of Apathyism and What It Means for Christians and the Gospel. Pastors say apathy is their top challenge amid indifference from Gen Z. Uh, a newly released study from the Nashville-based LifeWay Research, which I've been actually, I've been to LifeWay there, has found apathy inside the church was, was cited as the most common people dynamic challenge facing pastors today. LifeWay's greatest needs of pastor study asked 1,000 Protestant pastors to identify the primary people dynamic challenges they face in their churches. The pastors were surveyed between March 3rd and April 22nd, 2021, their overwhelming response, apathy or lack of commitment. Brad, who cares? I, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I, you know, it, it, I just, I found the word to be intriguing and, and I had to Google it because I had never heard that word before, apathyism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, obviously we've all known about it, pastors have at least, you know, what's the worst thing that happens in the life of your church is you get, you get a, a bunch of folks that show up and they do it every week because they've always done it that way. But if you ask them to, to live your faith in a new and exciting way, uh, be, be Pentecostal, if you will, be share the Pentecost spirit, share the Holy Spirit and, and what the Holy Spirit has done for you and, and, and share the gospel in the new and, and profound step out in faith. Yeah, no, I don't really. No, that's not really me. Um, yeah, let somebody else do that. And getting folks committed to to doing the long term, the long haul stuff, is very difficult. And it stems from two thousand years ago. Gosh, didn't John write about that? A couple churches in in Revelation. You know, mm. um, the truth of the matter is, is apathy is is a big thing you know the church meets my needs right as it is so i don't care if it doesn't meet anybody else's needs and i don't think anybody thinks that out loud but that's that's the underlying current uh, of, of what's going on in a lot of folks in the church now i'm not talking about your your uh, your saints who are there every time the door cracks open just a little bit they're there you know um the people who are who are actively involved in everything that goes on in the life of the church. But I'm really talking about the vast majority of people. And I think what they've shared is that people who call themselves Christian really aren't, really aren't living out what it means to be Christ-like. Hmm. It was just kind of an interesting survey. And knowing that there's a thousand pastors named this, the overwhelming, overwhelmingly named this as their biggest challenge in ministry is finding people to you know, want to do that, uh, to be truly Christian and truly, you know, involved in, in the care and concern of souls of other people. Really wild. I like so what they said. It wasn't just one or two guys like, ah, oh, these people is, you got a whole group of <laughs> people. A thousand like, pastors. And this was the overwhelming response. Um, and I, I like the, what they said here, the second long second, third and fourth place in the survey responses were people's strong opinions about non-essentials. I don't like red hymnals. I want the blue hymnal, you know, or hey, resistance. Stay hey. out of my business, Brad. Okay? <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. 
why did we choose that color carpet? You know, um, <laughs> resistance to change in the church. Okay, you can do anything you want as long as we don't change. I actually had I had a, a an adult, a senior adult, come to me in a church that I served previously here uh, than here, and they said to me, "Look, mom, mom being in her nineties, she is not control of anything in her life right now. She's not control of her health." She's not in control of where she lives and how she lives. She's not in control of her doctors or anything else. She has no control whatsoever, but she has her Sunday school class. Please don't. And I know that Sunday school class used to have 150 people in it every Sunday, and now they have five. But please don't move them from that one room where they've always been for the last 60 years. You know, even though I need that room because it's a huge room and I've got a class of 30 people that need to meet in a bigger room than when they're in. Please don't do anything to change mom's stuff. Wait till after mom dies and then you can do anything you want with the church. And I've never heard that before until I got that phone call. And I thought, wow, this is this is really weird. Please don't make change. And uh, the last one was political uh, people's political views. But man. And so as divisive as political views can be, as, as strongly opposed as people can be to change, what outranks all of that is the apathetic attitudes that people bring to church life. I'm doing what I can. What else do you need? I mean, come on, be for real. I, I, why don't you ask somebody else? Or Tom, Tom you never experienced any of that, did you? But, you know, one of the things I'm... I'm kind of processing is when I'm apathetic and, uh, you know, when I, um, when I at least come off as uh, uncaring and, and part of that is, is usually when I'm confused, you know, I'm unclear as what is being asked of me. And, and so when I, when I think about our response to that, um, you know, uh, we, we get caught up in the in the uh, in the minor details of things like the color of the hymnals or the color of the carpet when we don't see an overarching purpose or direction. And uh, you know, one of the things that comes to me within uh, from from Proverbs is a, a people without a vision. What do they do? They perish. They perish. Yeah. And, uh, and I think we've lost a lot of our heart and passion and purpose within, within the church because, and I was just having this conversation with a good friend this morning uh, about, uh, about the simple fact is, uh, you know, we are, we are specifically within the United Methodist Church on the verge of experiencing a, a clear division, a, a a uh, um, a split, and in in some ways, it's because you know we have a, we have allowed the culture and political views and everything else to take precedence right. over over the one thing that is is uh, is the the primary focus of the church, and, and it's simply the gospel, the good news that is found in Jesus Christ, and so. So one of the things I, it, yeah, I've got a different perspective as a retired pastor um, versus a, an active pastor. As an active pastor, 
there were things that were very important to me. In fact, John, uh, when you talked about a million dollar check and what that would do in the church, uh, uh, you know, that some of the physical issues of the building and everything, uh, they would be addressed. And, and for, for most of us who are sitting in the pews, we're going, well, the air conditioning's working and, and we're not listening to one side or the other. Uh, so, you know, those, those concerns aren't my concerns on Sunday morning. Uh, and, and, and as, like I said, as a pastor, I was worried about and concerned about some of the things like every time it rained, where was, where were the leaks uh, showing up? And uh, can we finally uh, figure out how to uh, plug up the holes and uh, you know, all of those things that happen, uh, but you know, we, uh, and including me, forget that the number one thing I need to be talking about is the gospel that is found in Jesus Christ that brings life. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't poo-poo or dismiss where we've gone as, as congregations. And yet I know that it is, a, it, it, it's, it's, we've lost a fervor for Jesus Christ. And, and that's not just uh, a lack of commitment uh, in congregation. That's a, you know, that's part of what we're struggling with as United Methodists. You know, we're not united by the gospel. We're, we're divided by the issues. That's a good word right there. And so one of the questions I had was, you know, the overwhelming response is, uh, you know, the number one, you know, uh, uh, what's the, what's the word? Uh, Number one problem that pastors say they deal with is apathy or lack of commitment. Thing is, uh, lack of commitment, maybe to the church, you don't see a lack of commitment in other places sometimes. And this is where I'm yeah, kind of like, because you can see young people in particular, like they're involved, right? They're, they're, you know, they'll, they'll show up and they'll do things, but maybe, and kind of to your point, Tom, like the church has kind of lost its, we, we've made the church about like just, maintaining the church maybe right that said right institutional survival you're exactly right yeah at the same time i remember this was in a different town and i was i was a part of uh, a a a local uh booster club for one of the school groups and i never forget we were we were there talking about you know how we can help the the group the the kids do whatever they're going to do and the parents there were just they were apathetic they're like are we done yet I mean, is this it? Uh, You know, um, yeah, exactly. The same kind of attitude we see in church. So it's not just church. Um, I think there is a sort of attitude that kind of people have like, you know, this is, uh, I got something else I'd rather do. Or I'm (laughs) overwhelmed and this is just one more thing. Or I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Or there's just so much. And can we get through this? And sometimes, I mean, be real about it, right? Uh, Whether we like it or not. When, when there is so many other things to do, if it's sports, if it's band, if it's theater, if it's this, if it's that, if church is one other thing to do, it's a lot easier to tell the church, eh, sorry, than it is yeah. to tell the coach or to tell the teacher or to tell right. the director or whatever else. And, and that, that could be, you know, you say whatever you want about that, but that's kind of the reality of it. What that's helped me do is think about more clearly 
Like if we are going to do things at the church, why are we doing them? <laughs> and, and, and is the point just to get people to do more things at church? I think the other thing, well, the, the article also talks about another layer of that, and it's usually amongst, or, or it's, it's more prevalent amongst the younger generations, millennials and Gen Z. And he says that um, the, the, the issue isn't so much in those younger generations that they're anti-religious or anti-spiritual. They're just ambivalent. Mm-hmm. They don't know, and they don't really, they haven't really invested any, any thought into it or, or any commitment into it. So, um, you know, more people, he says in the Barna sub- survey in, in 2018, he said more people in Gen Z, those folks who were born between 1999 and 2015, identify themselves as agnostic, atheist, or not religiously affiliated in any other genera- than any other generation. And when you, when you consider that, the question then is, these people are not not spiritual. You know, they're spiritual, but their spirituality is questioned or is questionable as to whether or not it's Christian spirituality, or is it even, are they even open to that? You know, and that ambivalence is, is what's also feeding the decline of, of Protestant churches here in the U S and I think all over the world as well. So spirituality is still a big, a big issue, but is it Christian? Is it, is it spirituality toward the soul or is it just, I want to feel better. I want to feel better about myself. I like nature and I like this. And I'm not, I'm not demeaning any of that. Sure. But the question is, as pastors, what are we doing to begin to develop an appreciation for and a desire and a need for understanding the value of the soul eternally? It, it, weird thoughts. It, 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 you know, it's, and, you know, I remember when we moved to Russia and, uh, we were there. I mean, we, it was within less than two weeks. Uh, we had an invitation to go to the, to the, to the symphony. Uh, and it's a big, a big deal, uh, a big deal. And, uh, and, you know, as, uh, as a, an American, and that's what I was, I was an American bringing an American culture and American experience and, Going to the symphony, first of all, I had not gone to many symphonies. I, the first and only one I can remember going to was in actually in Brazil when I was 18. And uh, I don't remember, uh, I remember going, but I don't remember what I wore. I know it wasn't anything fancy or anything like that. Anyway, we go to, we go to the concert and... Uh, and after it's it's over, uh, the American who had been there a year and who was helping us transition chewed us out for dressing so casually, but we didn't know any better. And uh, and 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 here's the you know I'm I'm thinking about this in relation to you know. Christian spirituality, there is this, this, let's say, hunger or desire for beautiful music in the soul. Mm-hmm. But we don't know, you know, if I haven't grown up within a Christian culture and a Christian in a Christian church, I just know there's something happening inside of my soul and I'm searching and I need help and direction to, to understand that. I don't need to be chewed out. I just need to be right. in 
informed. You know, if that person, if she had informed us, we would have dressed differently. But we didn't know any better. And and uh, and the, you know, the last thing I need to do, if I, you know, if I'm if I am a a searching person who steps into a church and everybody's dressed to the nines, and I happen to be wearing flip flops and shorts. Don't choose chew me out for being ignorant because I am hungry for something and the church should have what I need in the person of Jesus Christ. So then how do we, how do we flesh that out in ways that, um, that are meaningful and are, and are helpful instead of, you know, just sort of, uh, you're apathetic and, you know, whatever else, or, you know, you're dressing this way, you know, to use that metaphor or whatever it is. I mean, what, wh- what is it then that we do? How do, how do churches respond? How do we act out in grace instead of, like you said, chewing somebody out? The first thing I would say is we need to recognize, um, and this is, uh, we've already said this at least, uh, once on on this podcast is, you know, the strength of the United Methodist Church is grace, our emphasis on grace. And it's not the rules and regulations. And it's, it's, it's the heart of the gospel that it's not about, um, it's not about how you dress on the outside, but how, you, how your uh, soul is open to God's forgiveness, God's grace, God, God's gifting, and, and to recognize I am who I am, not because I had the intellect or, or the wealth or uh, the proper upbringing. I am the way I am because God's grace on the cross was poured out for, for me and for everyone else. And I start from that place of humility saying, I am, by God's grace, a, 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 a uh, creature or a a child of God. So kind of like you were saying before, getting back to who we are, you know, uh, my mom would say uh, when I was a kid, you know, you're getting too big for your britches. Um, and, and maybe that's kind of where the church is. We, we forget, like our, we say it right. Grace. We even talk about three different kinds of graces and everybody knows it, blah, blah, blah. The three expressions of grace, but, but then we let everything else pile on top of that. And, Grace is kind of lost from sight. We're talking about generations that have come along here um, that that were never raised in the church, you know. Mm-hmm. And and when you think about it, in the 1960s and 70s, the largest group of the largest generation in the history of the planet was the baby boomer generation. Was the one that created the mass exodus from organized religion in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even into the 90s. And so when you have that large of a generation that leaves the church, now these are the ones that are that we call de-churched. I think Barna is the one who called them that first, but I'm not sure. But <clears throat> they have left and abandoned the church because it was not something they wanted to pursue. And then you raise, or they have a, a generation of children who are not going to be raised in the church. They're not going to Sunday school. They're not going to vacation Bible school. They're not hearing the stories. They're not having children's church. They're not being taught the scriptures. They're not being taught the values of of religion, especially Christianity. And then those folks grow up and have children. Now you have two generations that were not raised in the church. And that generation is actually having children now who are not raised in the church as well. 
And for the church to come to its understanding of what that's like, we have to step back from our position of, well, how could you not know about Noah's Ark? Hmm. Well, because I was never taught about Noah's Ark, you know, right. and and so to assume that they're they're uh, stupid, they're not. They're just illiterate in this. They have not read. They have not heard. They have not learned these things. And so it means the church needs to change its attitude. Like this is exactly what you were saying. We've got to change our attitude back toward grace. What would it be for for someone to walk in and say, I don't know anything about this Jesus fellow. Tell me, teach me. And to begin to be the church that's willing to take the time and invest in, in, in what the faith looks like. Uh, <clears throat> the biggest issue we have is these generations, they don't, they're not anti-God. They're not, you know, atheists. They're not agnostic. They just don't care, you know, because they have not learned the value of a relationship with God personally. And that's one of the things I think the church truly needs to focus on if we're going to reach generations in the future. How, and if, how, the, how that changes, uh, how that shifts our ministry, we just realize, yeah, you know, maybe they're not against you. They just don't know your stories. Nobody, right. nobody has told them how good the good news is, right? And it's um, not on their radar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and instead, any, you know, if they have had experience with church, maybe it's been the sort of, like you're saying, Tom, the, you know, the dressing down kind of, you know, at you and you've been told how you're this or that. Well, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and if that's good news, then uh, no, thank you. I'm sure there's something else. And so so in a way, what I hear both of you saying is that, you know, if if you have more and more people who are just kind of apathetic, that's actually a mission field. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, and John, I want to come back to you said three graces because there may be someone who's listening today. Yeah. And, you know, just heard you say three graces and they're still scratching their head and going, I have no idea what uh, he's Let's talking about. So thank you for this food. Um, <laughs> What's the third one? I don't know the third one. Yeah. Lord, Lord, let me make it to the bathroom. Um, oh, Lord, please give me a parking place. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, and, and I actually misspoke. It, we don't, we don't, our understanding is not three graces. We understand right. the grace of God. Uh, expressed in three different ways. Actually right? four, but we don't really talk four. about that fourth one. Yeah. Okay. Very good. School us, Brad. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. Grace. <laughs> Grace is the unmerited love of God. Yes. You didn't earn it. God gives it to you because that's who God is, not because of what you've done or what you haven't done. That's mm -hmm. the love of God upon you. So, right. and we can yeah. just go with that and then come and we'll tell you more about it as we go. Yeah. We, then, we, 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 Go, well, ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead, John. No, you better, Tom. but you better wrestle over it. Okay. You go ahead, Tom. Tom. But no. the three Tom. of us, the three of us have have at some point come across uh prevenient, convenient, no, <laughs> what is it? Prevenient <laughs> grace. Uh, uh, justifying grace. And and uh anyway, Justify. yeah. But yeah, just justifying grace and and but coming back to it, rather than using all of that, that it comes down to there is a point when God's grace is working in my life and I don't even know it. I don't know God. I don't know. I don't know God's grace. And yet God is working in, in my life. And, uh, and I, I think of when I was 
and I honestly, this is the truth. I had the spiritual uh, knowledge and understanding of a rock prior to coming to know Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and people think I'm joking. I said, no, I just, I, I didn't even know I didn't know. Uh, but God's grace was already working in my life. And, uh, and then there's, there's that moment of transformation where basically the light comes on and, uh, and it's God grace, God's grace that uh, awakens you. And, and that happened to me when I was uh, 17 years old, I believe, 16 going on 17. And, uh, and just all of a sudden, uh, I was aware of the, the love of God for me personally, and it was transformative. And, and, and then there's the grace to continue to live um, and, and, and grow in faith. And, and so from beginning to end, uh, uh, from before I knew God to uh, after I depart this world, it's all been grace. Um, I, and I'm actually con, con, uh, 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 curious about that fourth grace that you're talking about, Brad, because I'm not. I, I, nothing comes to my mind. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's not one that Wesley honed in on a lot, but it is absolutely a part of the grace. And and I can tell you that name as soon as I can remember it. That's how important it is. Well, and then knowing that in, I mean, if you go outside of the Wesleyan tradition, don't they, aren't there other, other senses of that, like five or six forms of grace that people recognize? It's It's all thinking out loud, right? But it's a exactly. It, it, it is absolutely just grace, and it is the unmerited love of God toward us uh, that we can't earn or deserve, and you don't have to get cleaned up for it. You don't have to get ready for it. It is already given to you, uh, and that is that provenient grace of not knowing, but God is still there. I think the wonderful part about the church and that we oftentimes forget is that part of our own sanctifying process where we become holier, where we become more perfect in love, uh, which is the third aspect of grace, if you will, the third flavor of grace, whatever you want to call it, uh, where we become sanctified. Sanctus is, is Latin for holy. We become more like Christ in our life, and it takes the rest of our lives to do, um, is that part of that is not just about us being more Christ-like, but us being more Christ-like to others. And so we get to be parts, uh, a part of the process for God reaching out to those folks who are uh, to, to quote you, you know, uh, Tom, as spiritual as a rock, you know, those folks who don't know it yet, we can actually become part of the signs and the symbols and the symptoms or the, 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 the signals, whatever you want to call it. We can be part of the process that leads someone to Christ uh, in their prevenient grace time it, to, to that moment of justifying grace where you accept the gift that God has given you. And we become signposts pointing along that way. And it's kind of weird to think about that, but churches don't really get into that as much. And maybe we should we for- be talking about that. And maybe we forget how joyful of a thing that is. I mean, really, you know, Come on. I mean, what? If, if you look back upon your life, there were signposts of people who exactly. brought you to Christ. Exactly. Who are oh, you absolutely. bringing to Christ? You know, that's absolutely. the thing. And are you willingly, are you knowingly and willingly participating in the grace of God for others. That's that's a part of our sanctifying process too. So it kind of brings all closer today. Maybe uh, if I'm going to try to sum up everything you guys have said, sort of the challenge or maybe the call from us to take from this is, um, you know, how how do you get people to care? 
right? If yeah. you're seeing they don't care, seemingly, what are we what are we showing them? What are we telling them um, that would make them care, right? Uh, what kind of life are we living? What are we saying about Jesus? What are we saying about life as part of a church family that would make anybody care uh, yeah. or not? And so maybe that's a challenge for us. And that's that's part of the new mission, right? Um, uh, before, it seems like it was real easy. Build it and they will come and you can count on somebody to stand up and give a 20 or 40 minute lecture and people would just go crazy. That's not the way it's going to happen anymore. I mm-hmm. didn't feel like. Right. Um, yeah. And that's that that may be scary, but that's just our reality. And it's still we still have our calling. So that's our challenge. How do we what, how do we share and how do we live in a way that makes people want to care and um and then maybe we can know the joy of 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 having those moments where we can be those signposts for other people that is a great joy and i think we should remember that all right all right gentlemen uh always good uh like always i appreciate it so you have some great insights um i hope everyone else uh, was able to glean something from that don't forget to practice your power pose for the week uh i'll uh there it is okay brad brad's already been practicing um because it feels like I'm at the at the game where, where they have the uh, camera going around and everybody's right. right, exactly. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's, it. <laughs> That's your power pose. Brad, that could be your power pose. Yeah, the more yeah, I was gonna say the more appropriate uh, response to this whole thing is <laughs> All right, everybody. So thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, We love having these kind of conversations. We love having these kind of conversations with you. Matter of fact, uh, our church last night, we had a really good conversation that was kind of related to this, not so much in direct terms, but oh my gosh. And that to me, that is holy. That is Christian conferencing that we need more of. And so I want you to be a part of that. So let us know if you have any questions or feedback. Uh, Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, Have a great rest of the week, Brad, Tom. Appreciate the gift of your time and your insight, and we will see you in McAllen. Until then, God be with you. Peace.